Good morning again, everybody. I see people struggling with these stands, so let me see if I can actually get it first try. Well, it's such a huge honor to be able to preach um, and bring the Word of God this morning. It's yeah, so humbling. Um, I love doing it. It's my first time at, at Hills Baptist, um, so bear with me. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't around last week, but Dave, Dave preached, and I was able to listen to the podcast, and he said at the start, there's a lot of meat on this bone, and it's so true. Like 2 Timothy, even 1 Timothy, all Paul's letters, um, they're just so heavy, and we have so much to learn from them, so much to meditate on. Um, yeah, so I can't walk around too much, apparently. Um, yeah, and sorry, not sorry to the vegans. Uh, that metaphor, yeah, it just has to be meat. Yeah, there's, it just doesn't work to say there's a lot of foliage on this cauliflower. Yeah, Laura, Laura spoke about a year, year and a half ago, um, and she was given a passage to speak on as well. And I said, oh, what's the passage? Let me read it. And I read it, and I remember thinking to myself, Good luck. Like, as a good husband, I didn't say that. I just said something less, um, yeah, I just said, oh, you're going to do great. And she did great. And uh, she pulled a lot out of it. And I'm going to be talking a bit about that as well, talking about meditating on the scriptures and pulling a lot out of it. Um, yeah, so our passage today is 2 Timothy chapter 2. Starting at verse 1, um, I'll just read through to verse 7, and, and then we'll get into it, and we'll see how far we get. Uh, so starting at verse 1, it might come up on the screen for you. I'm reading from the NIV. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by, committing, by competing sorry, according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into this. Let's just pray before we get into it. God, we commit this time to you. We can't engage in scripture. We can't learn if you're not in it. Holy Spirit, you teach us what the scriptures say. You teach us um, all things and you testify of Jesus. Um, so we give this morning to you, God, and we pray for you to speak, speak through me. May we have open hearts to receive and may we meditate on these things throughout the day. Would we be um, constantly in this next week coming back to these things um, and your promises and working through them in our own lives as we um, have grace with ourselves. We give you this morning completely um, and we thank you for our time together. Amen. Um, a year or two years ago um, when I was in Uganda, I had to hop the border over to Kenya so I could get um, my visas renewed. Um, and I spent two weeks there living with a pastor um, I've never had such intentional discipleship into my life before living with that man. He, he called me. On the first day of meeting him, he started introducing me to other people as his son. That was pretty obvious. Like, he was a big Kenyan man. I'm, you know, I'm white. 
Um, it's pretty obvious that I wasn't his son, but he took me on as his spiritual son. He would say that I was his spiritual son, maybe one in ten. Most of the time he's just, this is my son, Jordan. Um, he spoke so much into my life and directly. It wasn't this awkward kind of, oh, this is kind of what I feel or, you know, trying to approach this discipleship. He said, this is who you are. This is what I see in you. This is what I see your future holding. He had a strong prophetic ministry. Um, yeah, and I think this is the same we see in Timothy with Paul, their relationship. Paul calls Timothy his son. We don't see this kind of intimacy anywhere else in Scripture. Obviously, Timothy and Paul have spent a lot of time together. Um, Timothy would be under Paul learning, spent a lot of time hearing Paul teach, um, going around and, and speaking. Uh, so, yeah, Paul to Timothy is just such an intentional discipler. And he picks on Timothy, and he's not afraid of saying, you know, the hard stuff. He's not being like, oh, you know, if stuff comes against you, just do your best. Like, he's saying, no, be a soldier. We're going to get into these metaphors. Be a soldier. Be strong. Be committed. Don't care about what other people are saying about you. Please the Lord. Don't aim to please man. All right. Verse 1, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There's a lot happening at this time. If we look um, before in chapter 1, Paul's writing about um, Phygelus and Hermogenes, that they've deserted Paul. So a lot of stuff is happening in the church. There is disputes. There is separation. Um, there's a lot of dilution of truth. People rebelling against other people and saying, that's not right, this is what's truth. So Paul's saying to Timothy here, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You need to not rely on your own strength. You need to rely on the grace and in the strength that is in Christ. And we ought to do that today as well. We need to be strong in knowing what our relationship is with Christ as well. Knowing that we are children, our identities are secure, we're set free. We have purpose here, we have... Um, so much through what Christ did, not because of what we've done. We need to be strong in that grace for ourselves. Timothy was probably struggling at this point. He's a middle-aged man pastoring this church in Ephesus. He needs this encouragement, and Paul is just such an encourager. And I, I hope that we can take some encouragement from this as well this morning. Verse 2. The things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Like I was saying, Timothy would have spent a lot of time listening to Paul. Timothy would know what the gospel is according to Paul. He would have heard Paul preach. He would have heard Paul teach. He would have heard Paul rebuke. Um, he probably saw Paul get flogged and beaten. Um, yeah, we know Paul's taken a lot of hard hits, and Timothy has seen that as well. And later on, we'll talk about joining and suffering. Um, now, this message, Paul's saying... You know, Timothy, you've got to pass this on. I'm passing this torch to you. I'm passing on um, this to you. You need to also pass it on to others. I think Dave's mentioned that Paul was probably at the point when he was writing this letter, I know that I'm probably going to be killed soon. And he was soon beheaded. And so we need to continually take this on in our own life, not that we're going to be persecuted to death, but we need to be constantly passing on the torch. Us as older men, we need to be passing on the torch to the younger men. These are the next generation. These are the ones, the kids that are in 
church uh, Sunday school across the way. They're going to be the ones that are up here preaching. It's our duty to install and instill into them the truth that is in Christ and what it looks like to be a man of Christ, amen, and a woman of Christ. We need to show them what it looks like to walk in our communities and to walk in our friendship, friendship groups and to have conversations that are godly and that are um, showing people what a man and a woman of God looks like. Um, yeah, we owe this to ourselves. We owe this to the next generation as well. Um, Paul says we need to pass this along to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others. This doesn't mean that we go around in, in evangelism or whatever and we start doing a background check on people. We say, right, what's your past? Are you a punctual person? Are you this? Are you this? Okay, now let me tell you the truth now that I've seen that you're qualified and so that you can pass it on. That's not our duty. Our duty is to evangelize to anyone and everyone because Christ's blood is shed for all of us and forgiveness is for all of us. Um, yeah, so it doesn't depend on um, if someone's handsome, if someone is well-spoken, if they dress well. Yeah, the goodness of God is for everyone. Okay, let's keep going. And we're about to move into a section here which is so amazing. Um, Paul gives three metaphors of what it's like to be a follower of Christ, what it's like um, yeah, to endure and to be persecuted and to suffer for Christ. And here are the three metaphors. We'll just go through them one at a time. If you start from joint, uh, verse 3, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ. Now, let's see what suffering actually looks like. This is not suffering as we know it. I'm going to flip to 2 Corinthians 11. I don't have any bookmarks, so I'll actually have to flip. 2 Corinthians 11.23. This is obviously Paul again. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I, feel I face daily pressure from... I feel the daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Yeah, this isn't the kind of suffering that we want for our lives. And to be honest, in the Adelaide Hills, this isn't this kind of suffering you're going to find for being a Christian. And we're truly, truly blessed um, for that truth. I'm going to talk a bit, a bit about what suffering looks like for us. But I want to, I want to just mention with Paul again why he suffers. Going back to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. 
So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Paul's got amazing perspective. We still see people all around the world that are actually being physically tortured, physically persecuted for their faith in Christ. We're very blessed here that we don't endure that. Um, yeah, one of my favorite, favorite books is The Heavenly Man. I don't know how many of you guys have read that. It's about um, a guy named Brother Yun in China. He in- endured crazy beatings, el- electrocution, physical beatings, um, just unbelievable stuff. Definitely give that book a read. He ended up walking out of prison like Peter, just bars, bar doors open for him. Amazing, amazing story. Um, but the truth is persecution doesn't look like that for us here. It doesn't look like that for us in the hills. We're very, very blessed in all of Australia. We do have, however, um, we face this on a smaller level, definitely. Um, we look at it in the political world, and we look at it on, our, on a social level as well. In the political world, um, we think of, and Dan and I at work, we're chatting about Israel Falau, and this guy who stand up for his faith. And it was a pretty bold message he posted, but... He's being persecuted, and he, got, he lost his, his job. And people do that as well. Kurt, um, my brother-in-law, posted an article uh, like yesterday or the day before talking about medical practitioners that are being persecuted for their faith, again, losing their jobs for just standing up for what they believe or offering to pray for somebody, they get canned. That's it. So there's that political kind of persecution that's happening, and it's a, it's a real thing. Um, we also get persecuted on a social level, which might be more relevant to us in this room. Um, again, it's not big like in this, in this culture that we live in, which says, especially among the younger people, truth is relative, you know, don't condemn anyone for what they believe. Everyone's entitled to believe what they want. So if we tell people now that we're Christians and this is what we believe, people just say, oh, that's nice, good for you. Um, we're not told in our culture to look down on people for believing something. So there's really no persecution anymore, which I think we're called to be persecuted and called to live, live a life that does require that sacrifice. Um, um, so for example, if you ever have evangelized to a young man, one of the things that they'll ask you is, oh, so you're a Christian. Do you believe that um, you have to wait until marriage before you have sex? That's one of the main things that the young men want to know. That's one of the things that, one of the reasons why they don't want to become a Christian is because, oh, I'm not allowed to have sex if I become a Christian unless I'm married. And so growing up, I spent a lot of hours in in hockey um, dressing rooms. And um, yeah, that's the main topic. That's the main point of conversation is talking about that kind of stuff and um, people all my life, they've known where I stood on that. People ask me questions. I've never backed down. I tell them what I believe, and all of a sudden, I'm ostracized, like, oh, you know, Jordan the Virgin, and all this kind of stuff. It's not, it can't be compared to what Paul has been through with the beatings and the 30, 39 lashes from the Romans, and it can't be compared, but we do endure some persecution um, today, definitely. Um, yeah, and I think we're, we're definitely called to expect it as well. Um, yeah, another thing I, I always get, people be like, oh, like, don't say that around Jordan, he's religious. <laughs> Can't say that around Jordan, he's religious. 
just like, oh, man. I mean, again, that's not really persecution, but it's kind of what, what we can expect today. Persecution, um, it only happens when we're bold enough to speak out. If you hide in your little turtle shell, you won't be persecuted. No one's going to say anything about you. If you don't tell people what you believe, you won't get any flack for it. It's definitely the easy way out. It's the easy way to live is by not getting any of that kind of stuff. But I challenge you guys today to be bold. To tell people what you believe um, and not to cower from it. I was, so, I was actually very prideful in the fact that I, um, I saved myself until the day I was married. I take, I take pride in that. And I'm so proud of, proud of that. Because how, how many young men know that it takes a bit of strength? takes a bit of strength. All right. So he gets into this uh, metaphor of the soldier. Join with me in suffering. Like a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Yeah, Paul's no stranger to talking about um, these military references. We just finished a a series um, on swords and spears talking about putting on the armor of God, Ephesians 6. Um, yeah, so he, we get these metaphors a lot throughout the Bible of being a, a warrior, being a, a battler. Um, so what, what is a soldier? A soldier is focused. Actually, at the time that Paul was writing this, many believe he was chained to a soldier, a Roman soldier. He was in chains. So he's actually sitting beside a soldier um, who's writing, when he's writing this. And it's been, I've heard it said that Roman soldiers were actually so dedicated, so focused, that they weren't allowed to marry, they weren't allowed to entangle themselves in what was happening in you know, the things around them. Um, they weren't allowed to have little side jobs. They had to be focused, even if they were not on duty. Yeah, and I definitely believe this for us as Christians. We're, ne- we're never off duty as Christians. We're never off duty. Even if you're home uh, and it's just you or if it's just you and your partner or you and your family, we're always on duty. Um, yeah, we need to continually be aware of that. Uh, I'm not sure how many baseball fans we have out here, but um, I'm actually not a baseball fan, but I'll, g- I'll give an analogy. There's a famous uh, catcher for the New York Yankees called um, Yogi Berra. And in the World Series, one year, they were... Yogi Berra? In the World Series, one year, they were playing, um, I think it was the Boston White, Boston White Sox. No, Boston Red Sox. Oh, man. Come on. Um, and there was a hitter called Hank Aaron. And for baseball players, even for golfers, you know that when a baseball player comes up um, to the plate... They've got this routine. They've got something that they always have to walk through, the certain amount of steps, the certain kind of fidgets that they go through. It's the same for a golfer. And if you get thrown off, you have to go through the whole thing again. And so there's a lot of superstition in baseball. Um, and Yogi Berra, who's sitting behind the plate, uh, the, um, Hank Aaron comes up and he says, Hank, you've got to hold the bat so that you can read the writing. There's a logo on the bat. Yeah, and um, yeah, Hank just completely ignored him. The first pitch that comes, Hank Aaron, home run, hits the, hits the ball out. He runs around, and he comes back, and he gets in um, Yogi Berra's face and said, I didn't come up here to read. Come on. Yeah. 
we got, we got to know what we're here for. We got to know what our mission is. Why we're, like, that's a huge issue in our culture today, in the secular culture. Why am I here? Is it, there must be a purpose. There's got to be something I'm here for. We can't get entangled in the things of this world as Christians. We can't, we can't get wrapped up in the things that wraps up the world. There's so much to go around with money. People get wrapped up in money and, you know, financing a vehicle and you've got to have the best and you've got to, who's doing this over here? Oh, I've got to, got to match him. I've got to, I can't be the one. And we talk about this at work, don't we, Dan? The guys with the nice utes. And we're just here, we're like, oh, we're struggling with our use my suits in the shop at the moment. You know, um, yeah, there's this pressure in the world to be at a certain level and to continually climb and climb and climb and be the best um, so that other people can see you as a success. That's what I call it, getting entangled in the world. We've got to know what we're here for. As a carpenter, I get paid eight hours a day to do carpentry. So obviously I'm not going to spend two hours watering the garden. I'm not going to spend three hours building a tree fort. Or like others, spend three hours with a finger up the nose. We have to know what we're here for. We have a job to do. Um, Obviously we don't get paid as Christians, but we're under this commanding officer of Christ and we have a mission to do and a mission to accomplish. Each moment is so precious. Each moment is so valuable and full of opportunity. We have to use it. And I just want to encourage you guys in that. Good soldiers, they endure hardships. And they deal with discomfort. You know, if you ever watch war movies um, or documentaries, you look at these guys, they're in the trenches for hours at a time getting trench foot. And it's just disgusting because they're just in this muddy water and often that's their toilet as well Um, and then you get these diseases that come because they're not allowed to move they're not allowed to poke their head out Um, they know what it's like to be uncomfortable if the man if the commanding officer says Upton you're up like cover fire you can't be like sack boss put my earmuffs on I gotta protect my my hearing and put my little safety glasses on you get out there you've got a job to do Um, yeah, and we have to deal with that discomfort sometimes. And we have to please our commanding officer and do what he says. Could you imagine if he said, like what I said, get out there, Upton, cover fire. I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm just going just gonna to hang out here. It's a bit safer behind this little wall. Yeah. Let's flip back to uh, Joshua 5. Doing a lot of flipping this morning. I don't have any bookmarks. I should have done that. Joshua 5, and we're going to go verse 13 to 14. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I now come. Then Joshua fell face down on the ground in reverence. So here we see, this is one of the many times we see Jesus in the Old Testament. We see him come and he's the commanding officer. It's the exact same words used in Joshua as in uh, Timothy, this book of 2 Timothy. Jesus is our commanding officer and we submit to him in all things. We should aim to please him. Please him over pleasing 
man. There's this idea of fear of the Lord and fear of man. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I used to be so afraid. When I was first learning a fear of the Lord, I was like, oh no, a fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I don't even know what fear of the Lord is. I must have no wisdom. <laughs> but the good news is, is a lot of us are acting in fear of the Lord without necessarily knowing all the theology behind it. Fear of the Lord comes from knowing God and respecting Him. When we know who He is, when we know what He's capable of, we become submitted to Him and we see His reverence. And that, it makes us want to please Him. It makes us want to answer to Him above anything else, answering to anyone else. That's this idea of fear of the Lord. It's not a fear as we know it. Um, I, yeah, Dave spoke last week, fear of snakes and spiders. It's not that kind of fear where we jump out of our seat and, you know, the blood's pumping, the heart's going. It's not that kind of a fear. It's more of a submission and just knowing who God is, what he's capable of. A quote I have from years ago, I don't know where it came from, says, the greatest visible evidence of the fear of the Lord is obedience. It's obedience. It's this idea of wanting to please our commanding officer. And we want to fear who has influence over us and try to please them. If we fear man, we want to please man. We want to say, um, I will do something even if it means going against what I believe God to do so that my brothers and sisters, not even in Christ, even if just society, they look at me with favor. I just want a thumbs up. I just want a high five, even if it means going against my commanding officer. So as Christ is our commanding officer, we're called to submit to him. We're called to please him above all else. And it means being obedient. And to be obedient, it also means listening to the voice of God. And I don't have time to get into that, although I would love to. Okay, let's keep going. Oh, no. (laughs) All right, the athlete. Similarly. Anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. We have to compete according to the rules. We have these rules that we want to establish in our own lives. We like, you know, I think, I think I'm just going to make up my own rules. The, these rules, you know, it's the Old Testament. Sometimes I'm not sure if I, this is really relevant today. Um, the pri- you don't get the prize, Paul says, unless you compete according to the rules. There are no shortcuts in this faith, unfortunately. Sometimes that brings me much courage. There are no shortcuts. Um, In sports, if you want to win, if you want to be the best, and you have to commit to the rules, then the only way of winning is training. We have to train ourselves to be the best. And in Christianity, it's not about being the number one guy, but it's about being the best that we're called to be. What does it look like to train? My advice. We've got the ones that, the, that they'll be talking about in Sunday school that the kids will give. Read your Bible and pray. Definitely the gold standards. Those are un, uh, unsubstitutional. You can't replace those with anything. We have to learn from the Bible and we have to grow in prayer. And often God will equip us in prayer. Um, So those ones, definitely, I just want to give a few more practical ones, how we can train. 
fasting. How we can, you can actually beat your body into submission so that your spirit is dominating and calling the shots. And Laura spoke about that a few months ago. Another one, one of my favorites, read books apart from the Bible. The Bible is the gold standard, but often in, my, in the past, just by reading literature, Christian literature, I grow so much. Listen to podcasts. Our teaching cannot just be happening on Sunday. We need to be learning every day, and podcasts is an awesome way um, to continue that learning. Read text commentaries, Bible commentaries. Um, a great resource is Blue Letter Bible. Um, if you have a smartphone, get that app, or they have it in paper as well. Ask Holy Spirit for insight. And then Paul talks about that at the end of this section. Uh, Jesus wants, and Holy Spirit wants, to reveal the scriptures to us. He wants to teach. He is the teacher. So we just need to ask him. And the last one, which I'm absolutely horrendous at, is meditating. I do not know what it's like to slow down and to think about one thing at length. But, yeah, let's do this together. Once we slow down, we can really, and that comes into asking Holy Spirit for insight as well, where we can really wrestle with things. We're called to wrestle, and we're called to bring out the fullness of the truth. I need to keep moving. Um, All right, verse 6. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Similar to training, this requires a lot of hard work, requires a lot of labor. I'm lucky enough to live with a, or to have in my family a hardworking farmer, my father-in-law. Um, I never got to, to live with you, Fred, while you were doing, practicing farming. Um, but I know the stories Laura said, and I've seen, I've I worked with Fred um, when I first came to meet him. We went out to work, and we, we were starting to dig these holes, these fence post holes, and I'm like, man, this is tough work. I dug one hole by the time Smoko comes around. In my hand, you know, you got the dirt all in your fingernails. I'm like, this is tough going. And we went, went for a walk at break, and he showed me this huge row. I don't, it must have been like, I don't know, over 500 meters worth of posts that this guy had done by himself. And, man, I, I just want to honor you, Fred, as a hard worker. Mm. Yeah, and I hope to be like you, definitely, um, with that kind of a work ethic. We're called to be like this in our faith. There are no shortcuts that farmers take. If you don't sow, you will not harvest. We have to put in the actual effort. We have to be there whether it's cold and rainy, whether it's beautiful and sunny, whether we're sick, Um, you know, if the cattle are out there, if, you know, whatever your farming is, you have to tend to it, and you can't just relax. You've never heard of a farmer who wakes up at 11, you know, goes out, putters a bit, comes back in, and then, oh, just amazing harvest that year. Now, that's not how it works. We know farmers to be the ones who put in the hours and put in the time. Those who sow little, reap little. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. And if you know that verse, you know it's talking about money. But I'd like to suggest that it applies to all, of our, all aspects of our lives. If we sow little, if we put a little bit of effort into it, we will receive little. Paul says, the farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. And I think this is important that we actually 
can see if we disciple, if we put work into people, we can actually see and be encouraged when they come out the other side, when we see years down the road who they become and how maybe we've influenced them um, and kind of led them on that path. We must be fed to feed others. So let's not be overly humble in saying, oh, just all the glory, all the glory out, nothing for me, you know, I don't need anything. I suggest that we can actually take a bit of pride in, in, in investing into others and, and instilling wisdom and truth and discipling others. That when they come out the other side, we can actually, that's our harvest. We can see that. And we see who they become. Yeah, obviously we can't be overfed. Um, we don't want to be fat Christians who just come to church and receive, receive, and then throughout the week it's maybe still receiving or definitely not giving. We're called to give and we're called to sow. The band can come up. Um, I'll finish this up. Verse 7. Reflect on what I'm saying. The Lord will give you insight into this. And I invite you to do this throughout the week as well. Um, obviously, I, I wish I had more time to go into all these things deeper. Um, but Holy Spirit will definitely be the one teaching you this week. I'd like to suggest that this verse, reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into this. I think that we can apply this to any point in Scripture. We can kind of copy and paste anything you're struggling with in the Scriptures. Ask the Holy Spirit. You know, like what I've said, go into the text commentaries, meditate. You know, we're not called to read something and be like, uh, don't really understand that, let's move on. We're called to actually go deep into it. Yeah, and just a quick, quick verse on that. Proverbs 25, verse 2. Excuse me as I flip. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. It's like this idea of at Easter time. One of my favorite speakers, Bill Johnson, speaks of this. You hide Easter eggs for the kids. You don't make it so hard that they don't find them, but you don't also just put them out in plain sight, or you don't just have your hand full and be like, yep, here you go, here's all your Easter eggs, because there's no joy in that. God takes joy as our Father in hiding these eggs in places that we can actually find them. And what joy that brings him when we, when we have to look and we have to search and we find it underneath something or, you know, it takes a bit of effort, but we find it. He takes joy in that. Just like all you parents in here would find the same joy at, at Easter time if you do that. He calls us to search out these matters and to, to look deeply, to meditate, to pray, to bounce off each other and to look into these things. I just want to encourage you that with that um, this morning, to be, to be a people that, yeah, just not a flipper through the Bible. Just flip, I just need to get through these three chapters today because that's my quota. But let's figure out what those three chapters, maybe it's only two verses because you just get stuck so quickly like, like in this rich text we're going through. There's so much to be found in Scripture. We have to find it. And that's God's intention. And it's His intention for us to put in a bit of effort.
Today's three metaphors, the soldier, the farmer, the athlete, each one requires perseverance, dedication, and sacrifice. These can be applied, obviously, to all areas of our lives. You know, the Christian walk is not an easy walk. It's false to evangelize in a way that's telling people, if you become a Christian, all your problems will go away. Things are going to be so easy. Sammy, have things been easy since you become a Christian? No, it's tough. In a lot of the world, like Laura and I are going to the Middle East, people who become a Christian, they're cast out from their family. They're shamed. They lose their jobs. They lose their position in society. There's real sacrifice for people becoming Christians. Yeah, we ought to pray with these people. The soldier who stops fighting before the battle is over will never see victory. The athlete who stops running the race will never win. The farmer that does not sow will never reap a harvest. I'm not sure what that means for you this morning. To each one of us, it probably means something a bit different. But let's just do it together. Let's put in that effort that's required to be a strong Christian. Enduring persecution, as small or as large as it could be. Putting in the time to train ourselves, to understand what the scripture is saying, to understand what God's saying, to make ourselves better disciples so that we can better disciple others as well. And being not afraid to put in the time and sowing seeds into people. Sowing seeds. And you don't get to harvest the next day. That's just not how farming works. We have to wait, put in the time, continually nurture and grow, and a harvest will come. Let's be patient. Thank you, Jesus. You, um, you're so patient with us as we learn these things, as we continue to grow and to continue to meditate on your promises and your truths. And God, I thank you that Christianity is not easy. I thank you that it does require effort. And there are failures, but failures are accompanied by grace, your grace. So as we go through this life together, um, yeah, we just declare that we need help. We're not perfect. May your grace rest upon us. Holy Spirit, would you teach us Would you give us the perseverance to endure the hard things in life, to endure the challenges? Hmm. Give us the ambition to seek out your promises as well, to seek out what you're saying, to seek your face, and to instill it into our friends and our communities, the truth that is in you. We glorify you for who you are and for what you're doing in our lives and the way you're working in each one of our hearts. We give you all glory this morning and in this week and we take this message with us this week, myself included, that we would learn to grow in this, that we would learn to grow and be fruitful as your word says. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.